Hey, everybody. How you doing? I hope you're having a wonderful day, evening, night, morning, wherever you're at. Uh, welcome to a brand new Ike Live 2.0. Uh, excited to have you back here. Uh, first of all, real quick, let me say thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone who's emailed and text uh, that, that you're enjoying the new format. I'm having a really good time with this new format and really getting to know some of the best personalities, best fishermen, uh, best people in the fishing world. Um, so it's been fun uh, to, to have more of this one-on-one -on -one format. Uh, we got a great guest for you coming up in just a minute here. Uh, Brandon Card is going to join us. Uh, I've known Brandon for a long time. I believe this is his first time on the show. I We've been doing it for 10 years, so I, I kind of forget. We may have had Brandon on, but I think it's his first time on the show. Very excited to have him. Uh, as usual, guys, uh, this podcast is possible from a few great folks, including, you see it right there over my shoulder, Mystery Tackle Box. Man, this is like Christmas to your doorstep once a month. Uh, you've heard me say over and over and over, it's a great way to put new lures, new baits, new techniques, different colors, different shapes. It's a great way to put that stuff right in your hands, directly to you once a month. Um, head on over to mysterytacklebox.com. Use the promo code IKELIVE. If you use that promo code, you're going to get 30% off your first Elite Box and 50% off your first Pro Box. That's half off. Uh, pretty amazing deal. Give it a shot, mysterytacklebox.com. And, of course, we're going to be doing an unboxing uh, at the very end of the show. Also brought to you by the Ike Foundation. Um, Ike Foundation is trying to get more kids fishing, especially in non-traditional areas. Uh, if you want to help get more kids fishing, head on over to the IkeFoundation.org. Uh, lots of great ways where you can help. Uh, just a quick update. We just had our Pro-Am event over the weekend, the past weekend. And uh, amazing event. Lots of kids, uh, 150 or so kids, many of whom never fished or cast before show up for the event. Super great, plus a tournament, uh, and the pros and co's did great in that event. Uh, also want to remind you that if you live in the tri-state area, Maryland, Delaware, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, we have a kids fishing tournament trail. Uh, our second event is just in a couple of weeks. Uh, if you're interested in fishing that, bring a kid. I don't care if they've ever fished a day in their life. We'll provide the tackle. Head on over to the ikefoundation.org to get more information. All right. Enough of that stuff. I'm ready to get this guy on. Very excited to have him on the show. Joining us now, the one and only Brandon Card. Brandon, how you doing? Good, man. How's it going? Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on the show. It's yeah. uh yeah. I think I think that you're accurate by saying this is my first time. Yeah, I've, I've always wanted to join the show, and uh, happy to be here. Well, man, I'm excited to have you. And and I th I thought that was the case, but you know when you hit 51 things start to falter like your eyes and, and your memory and stuff like that. But uh, I, I am, I'm so excited to have you on the show. First things first, I'm looking at you right now and you still look young. Like you're, how old are you? 36. That's amazing. That's amazing. I can't believe that because when I look at you, you, you look like you're in your twenties still, but here's the thing. Thank I you. want everybody, <laughs> I want everybody to realize this. You're 11 years in to this full time did that fly did, did that fly by does that feel strange 
Yeah, yeah. This is actually my 12th season. So, 12th yeah, season. Okay. Uh, 12th yeah. season started in 2012. Uh, but yeah, it, it doesn't seem like it at all. I mean, you know, if I would just have to guess, it feels like I've been at this about four years. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. I, I don't know if time goes by faster fishing professionally or if you have like just a regular occupation, but it is flying by. It's just, it's, it's crazy. Dude, it's crazy because, you know, like when I close my eyes and I, I'm like, oh, it's Brand Brandon. Yeah, Brandon's the new guy. Brandon's, Brandon's you know, the guy that came from the college ranks. Yeah, Brandon's the guy that won rookie of the year last year. And then I like I like shake my head and I'm like, wait a minute. No, 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 no. I'm like, Brandon's now one of the veterans. You're you're old and you're weathered. Does that does that feel strange to know that when you're in bag line and you look behind you? You were one of the veterans now. That's that's strange. It's it's really strange. It's it's kind of full circle. When I started, my rookie year was uh, 2012, and that was the year that Brent Chapman won Angler of the Year. Yeah. I also uh, got lucky enough to win Rookie of the Year. But I remember him saying, like on stage when he was up there, he was kind of laughing. He was like, "I feel like a rookie." But I guess I'm a veteran. He's like, I, I've been at this now for, I think at the time it was 12 or 13 years or something. Yeah. And he was just kind of laughing about it. And then and then now I'm into this about the same amount of time. And so, yeah, it, I mean, I'm a veteran, but I feel like a rookie. So it's, yeah. it's a really, really strange situation. It's strange. It flies by. I, I can second that because I've been doing it like almost 30 years now. And it does not feel... It does not feel like that. Uh, it, it feels a lot shorter than that. But I do want to jump back. And that um, that title you mentioned, uh, dude, that's a big deal. That That's an amazing thing, uh, winning the ROI title. Uh, talk about that a little bit. I mean, what, what did that feel like coming in on your first year? I know at one point that year, you were like top five in the, in the AOY. Tot the, you were doing great. You had a good <laughs> Douglas tournament, I remember. And Dude, you were rolling that year. Talk about that year and what's it feel like to win that title? Yeah, you know, fishing is a very it's a it's a it's a weird thing. I, I just watched uh, your interview with Bernie Shelton. Y'all were kind of talking about this. It's like when you're catching them, you can't really explain why you're catching them. But right. then when you're not catching them, you can't really explain why you're not catching them. Right. Right. And, uh, and, and that's kind of how it was my first couple of years, even my, you know, my 2011 open season, it was just like, I was just catching them, man. And, uh, can't really put a finger on what was going on. I know for a fact, I didn't really know nearly the amount of stuff that I know now. And yeah. I feel like I'm way more knowledgeable. I'm better at decision making. You know, I feel like I'm a lot better at a lot of things now. But that rookie season, like you said, it was just it's I guess to this point it's been my best year really, like statistically speaking. Now I've had other years where I've had a lot more top tens. Yeah. But just uh, just the consistency of you know high finishes that I had that year. Yeah. It was just, it was very unexpected, you know, because, I mean, I fished collegiately and, you know, had a little bit of success on the collegiate circuit. Um, I won the um, ultimate match fishing that, uh, that they did for the college anglers that one year. That was really kind of like my only, like, notable college win. 
Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, you know, I wasn't like some of these decorated, you know, collegiate anglers like Jordan Lee and, you know, some of these, some of these other guys uh, that yeah. are competing against right now. Uh, but the college circuit was just kind of starting, you know, a, a lot of, a lot of the college anglers uh, back then um, weren't nearly as skilled as they are now. Mm. And so, yeah, it's, it's just kind of like it just rolled, you know, I, I, yeah. Qualified for the leads and, and uh, you know, my first year fishing the opens. And then there I was competing against all my idols, you know, that I looked up to and, and watched for all these years. And uh, it just, it just happened, man. It's you incredible. Know, I, I think it was just, you know, honestly, I think it was just kind of a blessing from the Lord because it could have easily went sideways that first year or two. Yeah. And, you know, I could, you know, I could maybe not even be in fishing right now. You know, yeah. Because, I yeah you know we 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 see it we see a lot of these talented anglers that get on the elite series and, and they have a couple of bad first seasons and then then they then they're out you know and, yeah um that, yeah that's, that's the hard that's the hardest period is that first you know it's like that freshman sophomore junior season that's the hardest season to get through right you know that's the beginning and if if you have some success or big success like you had it makes for an easier transition to a full-time professional career. And, and you're right. I've seen guys that are really, really good, better than both me and you that <laughs> did not have that success and financially, financially could not continue. So that's yeah. unfortunate, but I did want to say something and, and just a quick parallel. So back when I was a rookie forever ago, and when the dinosaurs roamed the earth, um, it was 1990. Uh, back then they started in the fall. So it was the 98, 99 season. And, um, that year, I think I ended up sixth in angler of the year points, but there was no rookie of the year title, but real quick, I just, I wanted to let you know who was in my freshman class that year. Uh, Timmy Horton, who ended up winning angler of the year, his rookie year, uh, Aaron, Aaron Martins. Edwin Evers, uh, like four or five of the, the most iconic guys in the sport. Uh, it was like, welcome to pro bass fishing. Here's your, here's your competitors. And I'm looking around. I'm like, damn, I'm like, these dudes are really, really good. But when I look back on my season, that freshman season, I had such a good season. I think my inexperience helped me. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I was so green and so fresh and new, and I had nothing to taint me. Do you think that was the case for you as well? Yeah, I really do. And, you know, I feel like um, something as simple as like my tackle, like, like I didn't hardly have any tackle. Right. But, but, but the tackle that I had, which I could probably put in a couple of Walmart baggies, I mean, that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but um, it's like I was super confident with the few lures that I had. You know what I mean? Keep it and simple. Now, now, you know, 12 years into this, I've turned into a tackle hoarder. Like, right. like most people, you know, most people that have been in this industry uh, have turned into. And it's like I have so much tackle that like prepping for a tournament and you know, it's like, it's just so much, it kind of weighs you down. I, I would yeah. honestly like to go back to that somehow. I don't, I, I don't think I can because I'm yeah. too far, 
I, I have too much now. But yeah, it's like the simplicity of it all. Yeah. And just, just the inexperience like helped me. And right. it's, uh, it, it's, it's, it's weird because I don't think guys like me and you can go back to that, but sometimes we would like to, you know? Yeah, I, I definitely think there's value in simplifying your fishing to a certain extent. And I think uh, some anglers can do it a lot better than others, but uh, I'm, I'm right there with you. I've, I, unfortunately, I've been a tackle hoarder since I was like eight years old, and I have a, I have a whole garage outside to prove it. I, I don't like throwing stuff away, but uh, I, I do. I want to jump back, and you know, you mentioned your, your college career, and in my opinion, when I look back at that whole program, and, and man, it's so amazing to see it now, so, so successful, and what a great pathway for a lot of our anglers. But um, when I look back at that, I think you're kind of like the first guy, like you're the guy that modeled was the model for all these other college kids. Are, are you, do you feel, does that make you proud? Is that a, is that a good feeling? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I mean, I don't view myself as, as that, but I appreciate you saying that. I mean, that, that means a lot. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it's cool. I mean, it really is, you know, being the first collegiate angler, to, you know, fish, fish all four years and then, you know, come into the lead series. You know, I, I can remember just like yesterday, I was in Little Rock, Arkansas, competing in a Bassmaster National Championship, Collegiate National Championship. I'm trying to think of what year that was. I graduated in 09, so it was probably like 08 or maybe 07 or something. And uh, Jerry McKinnis got up there. You know, we actually had our pre-tournament meeting at JM and Associates. Wow. Which as a collegiate angler, that's super cool. That's cool. And, yeah. yeah. And so so they had a big meal for us and everything. And Jerry got up there and he, he was on the mic, you know, doing what he does best. And uh he was like, one day, he was like, There will be a collegiate angler. Maybe one of you guys out here in this room today that will be competing on that league series. And wow. You know, it's like it's like we all got chills and you know all that. And then like I was that guy. I was like, holy cow, like, you know, like a couple years later, I was that guy. I, I remember whenever I first got a camera on me that year, the rookie season, you know, I told that story. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, Jerry really got a kick out of it too, because, um, you know, I, you know, maybe it happened a little quicker than, than what he thought, who knows, but uh, yeah. it, it was cool that I was that guy. It really was. Yeah. Man, that, that is, that is so cool. That is an unbelievable story. It's the first time I've ever heard that. Uh, but I, I really do. Uh, I, I think you're, you're the guy that really, I think started the wave. And if you look at some of the best new young guys, they've kind of followed that path. And I, I love that. I love that. Cause for a lot of the older guys, they didn't have that path. You know, there were other ways to get there, but I like that that route is an organized route. And I love the education aspect to it, you know, because that that's so important. I mean, Brandon, we've got a lot of young listeners. We've got high school and college kids, young adults listening to this podcast. How important is that aspect, the business side? How important is that, you know, having a grasp on that? Like going to college, getting a four-year degree, you've had a handle on what was coming on that business side. Is that important? If there's young kids listening, they want to do that. How important is that? Oh yeah, super important. Um, you know, that's that's about half of what we do, really. You know, yeah. that's that's the half that most people don't see. Uh, but you know, I think 
I didn't pick the right major, really. I think maybe you did. Didn't you major in marketing and stuff like that? Yes, yes, I did. Yeah, so so really, it, you know, as the listeners are, you know, especially the high school kids are thinking about what to major in, go major in marketing, communications, uh, take as many speaking courses as you possibly can. Yeah. That, that's huge. Yeah. Uh, you know, I majored in landscape architecture, which was a really cool major. It was something I always wanted to do, but it did not really, you know, suit what, uh, what, you know, it takes to be a professional angler. But yeah. what did help me was that I was the uh, president for the University of Kentucky bass fishing team for three or four years. And so I was able to, you know, deal with sponsors and, you know, work on scheduling and all that. So, you know, that was kind of where I really, got a feel for you know all the sponsorship side of thing was yeah. you know, being the president of the actual fishing team right uh, but if i could do a redo I, I would do what you did i would major in marketing and i would take a lot of uh, you know uh, communications courses and stuff we had some public speaking in landscape architecture but not enough you know yeah. I, I feel like some people are natural at it and then other people, you know, really you just have to do it as much as you possibly can. Right. Uh, you know, me, I, I'm not naturally, you know, a confident public speaker. So, you know, I mean, even now I, I feel like, of course, we're all critical of, of ourselves, but even now up on stage, you know, I see guys like you and Swindle and I'm just like, man, those guys are so comfortable. They tell the best stories. You know, and they entertain the crowd, you know, like that's what I would, you know, that's what I want to be. I mean, that's probably what most of us want to be like. But, uh, but yeah, take those, uh, the public speaking courses, they're huge. Yeah, that's, that's a great, great tip for everybody listening. And I wanted to jump back to the landscape architecture thing. So, uh, man, I wish, I wish Becky was down here right now. I'd call her in because, like, when she was young, high school, she wanted to be a landscape architect. She ended up getting into fashion. She, she ended up changing her major to fashion, her degrees in fashion. She ended up with me now in the fishing world, but her dream is still landscape architecture. Like you got to see our yard. Brandon, I come back from a tournament. She's got stuff outlined in spray paint. She's got posts with flagging on it. I want this done. And dude, it's like crazy. She's got this crazy mind. So I would love her to be here to be able to talk with you about that. Cause that was kind of like, her dream as as a young adult you know yeah that is that is cool i mean you know i think a lot of high school kids don't even know what landscape architecture is but right. uh, look, lucky for me my dad is a general contractor and so at a very young age i was exposed to construction and landscaping yeah. and i was always drawn to landscaping and you know dad kind of he kind of pointed me in that direction he said he said you know there's landscape architects that design all this you know yeah. And, you know, he had books and man, I was all about it. I was like geeked up, you know, just, just like Becky is. So that's, that's cool that she, that she wanted to do that and that she gets to do that in, you know, in, in your you know, yard. And she does. That. She's turned it into a hobby, which is, which is cool. And it's a lot of work, but I get to reap the rewards of it. I come back from a tournament, like, wow, this is nice. <laughs> like if I didn't meet Becky, I'm not kidding you, Brandon, my backyard would just be like grass. <laughs> There'd be like nothing there. Just be like, it would look like a football field, you know, no, nothing there, you know, just straight grass. But now it's, it feels nice. But um, yeah. you, you mentioned family, uh, you mentioned your dad and um, 
you've got, uh, I know family's important for you. You've got a son. How I, I saw a post recently where you were out fishing with him. Uh, and I saw a nice bass in the photo. Tell me about that. Is, is it, is that's gotta be a good feeling. Cause I know it is. I've got, I got four kids and I've got a son and I know how great that is, but how does that feel to be a dad and getting to pass that on now to your son? Yeah, that's honestly probably one of the coolest experiences that I've ever felt, you know, is just um, being able to be out there on the water with him. And, and he's yeah. still pretty little, you know, he's not going to turn two until uh, the end of September. Um, so he's, he's, he's a little guy, but uh, he loves the water, man. Loves mm. it. Yeah. And, um, you know, that, that was just kind of my, my dream was, uh, you know, when, when we found out that she was pregnant with a little boy, as I was like, man, I hope he loves the water. I hope he loves fishing. And so, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get him out there as much as I can. And honestly, um, I thought we were going to have to do like really short trips and he would be ready to come back in. But, like, he's just fine just being out there just looking at everything. Like, he wow. loves to look at boats. He, he loves, uh, especially if I fish around the bridges. You know, yep. there's, there's several really good bridges here on High Rock Lake. Oh, man, he's in his element because he gets to look at, he gets to look at the cars driving over the bridge, the boats idling through. Uh, we got, we got the, the, the swallows flying in and out. And then, you know, I get to catch an occasional fish and let him reel it in. Like, he, he's in his element, man. Like, oh, that's awesome. That's so, awesome. Yeah, that's that, that's kind of what I've been doing with him. I'm not kicking him out there super long, but we'll, we'll yeah. go fish one of the bridges for a little while and, and, and catch one or two and just, you know, let him reel it in. And, of course, you know, I'm having to hold the, the rod and all oh, that yeah. stuff. But, uh, man, just making those memories with him is just something I'll never forget. Yeah, that's that's the way to do it. That's the exact approach, you know. Uh, uh, parents watching and listening, you got young ones. That is the approach. Make it fun. Make it enjoyable. You know, it's so hard because like we're like we live. Our job is competitive, right? Like, and it's hard to step out of that. But when you're getting kids involved in fishing, that is critical. That's what you, what you have to do. do you, can you visualize the day when when he gets to be twelve? 14, 16, 18, do you see a day when you're going to encourage him to fish competitively or are you going to let it just flow with whatever happens? Well, I mean, I, I really hope we can team up in some of these local events. I mean, that that's, you know, that's kind of uh, my dream is that, you know, once he's old enough, I want to, I at least want to do those team events with him and just yeah. you know, make all those memories uh, and just kind of see see where he you know takes it. You know, maybe he's super competitive and he's wanting you know take it to the next level. Maybe he just wants to just fish an occasional you know wildcat with dad when dad's home. Yeah, and that would be cool too. So uh, I'm just going to kind of leave it up, leave it up to him. But I do you know hope sooner than later, maybe when he's five or six, you know we could start hopping into some of these wildcats here on High Rock Lake. And, uh, man, you know, I think that would just be fun, you know, just to experience that with him. And I know that you've experienced that with Vegas as well. Uh, it's great. It's, it's such a cool feeling. And I, and I, Becky and I are definitely trying to let it blossom on its own, uh, without, you know, cause I, I've seen dads in other sports, you know, you see that crazy football dad or that crazy baseball dad and, and, you know, it almost, you look at the, you look at the son or the daughter and you're like, they look burnt out. 
<laughs> you know, you look at it, you're like, they don't even look like they're having fun. Like, I, I don't, I don't ever want that to happen. You know, I want it, I want them to have fun. I want it to happen on its own. And I, I think yeah. that's important. Here's a little tip though. I, I'll share it with you. And if there's other uh, dads or moms listening to this podcast, um, all my kids, I started with a spin cast rod, push button, you know, old school push button rod, but Vegas for some reason, one Christmas, I think I was in like Dick's Sporting Goods or something. I was walking around and I saw this ice fishing rod, spinning rod. Mm. And it was like on an end cap and it was like 30 bucks. It was, it was, they were like trying to get rid of them, you know? And I'm like, huh, that's like his size. And he was older than your son now. He was probably four, you know, in that range, four, five, something like that. Three, three, four. Uh, and I got this rod, I spooled up braid on it and only like about halfway and I tied on a casting plug. Well, Brandon, let me tell you that next year. So that winter through that whole summer and he, he used to tour with us, you know, we would tow the camper and he toured with us. He would just cast. He'd be out in the campgrounds with a, with a puddle cast, casting. And before I knew it, I'd say within a year, he was so good with the spinning rod. Like he was hitting targets. He was skipping. And I'm like, <laughs> wow. I'm like, here's a second use for ice fishing rods. If you don't live around anywhere that ever ice is over. <laughs> Man, that is awesome. Yeah. Like, so, so he was skipping better than you with an ice fishing rod. Pretty much, pretty much. And <laughs> I, 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 this is a little embarrassing to tell you, but my uncle and my grandfather got me in fishing. They got me involved with a, a spin cast. Back then it was Zebco was all that was around. Yeah. And I used it all the way till I was like 10 or 10 or 11 years old. Like I, I exaggerated the length. I should have been on a spin cast. So, uh, but to see him getting that good with a spinning rod was super, super cool. So little, little yeah. ice fishing tip there for everybody. Nice. Uh, speaking of kids, uh, though, kids events, I saw another post where you were involved in a kids event, fishing event recently, dude, I'd love that. I mean, you know, our foundation, we try to get kids fish. Talk about that a little bit. How cool was that? Oh, super cool. Yeah. So, um, I, basically it's a tournament I do every year. It's, uh, it's a college and high school event. So it's basically two tournaments in one. And, uh, and it's something that I, that I wanted to do ever since I got on my lead series, because, you know, obviously being the collegiate angler and doing, kind of, you know, working my way up. It's like I wanted to do that for college anglers. And so right. I, I started talking to the local chamber of commerce there where I grew up and, and, and they were like, well, man, we really want to have a high school tournament. And I was like, well, why don't we do both? And so they're like, sure, let's do it. And so I'm pretty sure last year was either our sixth or seventh uh, year doing it. And uh, man, we love it. Uh, all my high school buddies that I grew up with, come out to help out, you know, my, my family, they're all there. And, uh, it's, it's really turned into an exceptional event. You know, the, the first couple of years, you know, running a tournament, I don't know if you experienced this or, or if you had uh, people that were really good at it, but as a tournament angler, you think that you would be good at running a tournament, but yeah. running a tournament is way harder than what you would think. Dude, it's so. hard. It's hard, hard. Yes, it is. There's yeah. so many things that you don't think about as an angler that I totally just like like left out that first year or two. And 
over you know over time we we kind of dialed it in and it's a pretty well oiled tournament now uh but the first couple of years it was it was kind of uh thrown together but uh but but the kids have loved it every year even that first year when we kind of threw it together and uh yeah it, it's just it's just kind of my way of, of giving back and uh, you know i try to get as much sponsorship money as i can to like really have an exceptional payout you know yeah, and so, yeah. So, you know, I feel like those those uh, kids that win our event or even just, you know, cash a decent check, you know, they're going to go out and they're going to buy rods and reels and put gas in their boat. And, you know, they're going to they're going to spend it the right way. You know, you don't have to worry about giving money to a high school or college angler and they're going to go, you know, spend it, you know, doing something crazy. They're going to spend it in the fishing world. And yeah. so that's that's kind of what we do. We, we have an exceptional payout. And then all my sponsors just send all kinds of stuff to, to give away. Um, pretty much every kid in the tournament just gets hooked up, you know, with giveaway items and, and you know, the, the payout and all that. It's, it's really fun. It's awesome. Well, hats off to you, man, because I, 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 more, more guys have to do that. And, and not even just, you know, pro anglers, but I think more people need to get involved in getting the next generation fishing, the next generation excited about the sport. Just getting them outdoors. So hats off, dude. I, I I love that you're doing that. That's that's cool, man. Very, very cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, thanks for all you do with the foundation. And uh, you, you've always been great with kids, man. I, that's something that I've always looked up to you. Uh, you know, after you get off the weigh-in stage, you know, you're hanging out with the kids. And, uh, you know, there's not many guys on tour that do that. And so I, I appreciate you doing that. Thank you. Just, uh, just being being good to all those kids that you come in contact with. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, I want to switch gears, and and I, I got to talk about this because it's probably the most crazy story, medical journey that I've ever heard of someone that I actually know. Uh, and and let me let me say that, dude, I admire you for a lot of things, but the way that you've handled this and and you're just you're just such a nice, easygoing guy. Like I tried, I tried to close my eyes and say, "Man, this would have happened to me if, if I was Brandon and this was happening to me, dude. I think I would be like mad and angry and pissed off and you know, just like I wouldn't have handled it the same way. And that's a fault of mine. That's that's a life fault of mine. But <laughs> dude, this is a crazy story. I've tried to follow it as much as I could, but you you've handled it with very eloquent way with grace and and you're and it's almost like you know you're just like well it happened and i'm, I'm just happened and i'm going to deal with it and you you've handled it amazing but for a lot of our listeners viewers that don't know the story dude this is a strange story and and here's the thing i i, I think as you're talking guys are saying oh this is something that happens to dudes that are ike's age 50 60 70 Dude, this don't happen to 20, 30-year-olds. This is this not something that happens to young, healthy guys. For crying out loud, you're look at you're healthy as heck. You run, you hike. Like tell us the story. Give us the story because it's unbelievable, man. Yeah, so I'll, I'll try to make a long story short. Uh, yeah. it's, it's kind of hard for me when I tell stories. I, I make a, a short story long. So <laughs> just, I do that just, too. I do that. I do that all the time. Just bear with me, but uh, yeah, so basically, uh, Christmas Day, uh, 25th, I felt great. Everything, you know, we, we had an awesome Christmas Day. You know, Christmas is 
obviously most people's uh, favorite holiday. Yeah. Everything was good. Everything was good. December 26, I wake up with the worst headache of my life. Like, like I've had a lot of headaches in my life. I, yeah. I deal with neck pain. My, my little boy's out here making crazy noises. That's okay. Uh, I, I've dealt with a lot of neck pain in my life, and, and the neck pain gets so bad that it goes up in my head, and it, it kind of starts like a migraine and stuff. So, yeah. so I know what headaches feel like. This was like a next level headache. Like it, it didn't even feel right. It was like it's, it was like it was a weird pain, but it was excruciating. Yeah. And so that was December 26. And so I was like, man. And so I just thought it would go away. The next day it was still there. We had to go to Tennessee to do a late Christmas celebration. That, you know, that's about a, if I drove by myself, that's like a four and a half hour drive. But, you know, mm -hmm. with Davis and Kelly, it takes us forever. So that was brutal. Just trying to do that drive with the worst headache of your life. Right. right. Got to Tennessee. It just, it just kept, you know, just kept on. And I was like, is this not going to go away? And so I went to an urgent care. They, they told me it was a migraine. And I was like, no, I, I know it's not. Wait a couple more days. And, and we're getting ready to come back home at this point. And uh, like, like the whole trip has just been Terrible. I mean, I'm, I'm basically taking as yeah. many Advils and as many Tylenols as I can just to, right. just to kind of, you know, live, you know, like function. Right. So then I go to an emergency room in Knoxville and I'm like, they'll figure it out. They, they put me through an MRI, you know, they're looking for brain tumors and all this stuff. And like, I feel like they're giving me like a really good workup and they, right. find, they find nothing like, like, like the doctor's like, it's just a migraine, man. That that's, that's it. And, I was like, and you're, you're at, at this point, you're at like a really good hospital in Knoxville. Like this isn't, really, this is yeah, this isn't like a CVS. This is like a really good medical facility. Yeah. 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 And, and I was just like, and I, and I told him, I was like, no, it's not a migraine. He was like, he was like, well, he was like, I think it's a migraine. It's no reason for you to stay here. So we're going to let you go. And I was just kind of like, I, I was like, I don't want to go. I want you to figure right. it out. You know? Right. Yeah. So, so, so then, I, so then I, I come back. We make the brutal drive back to North Carolina. And, uh, and like, I'm just feeling terrible. I'm about seven or eight days into this now. Yeah. We, we get back home, go to our family doctor. They they can't figure it out either. They're like, well, maybe it's a tick-borne illness. And then they run, you know, all this stuff for, for tick-borne stuff. And so they don't find anything. And, yeah. and like, I'm about day nine in, into this most excruciating headache of my life. And, and I'm like, I'm at wit's end, man. I'm like, I'm like, we have got to figure this out. Like, this yeah. is killing me. And so, and so I'm just like, I'm like, who do I know that's a doctor? And like, this is kind of funny that I didn't think about this earlier, but my next door neighbor is a doctor. Literally, I can go outside my yard and I can make a cast and hit her house. And it's just kind of like when you're, especially traveling, you know, I just yeah. wasn't thinking about her. Yeah. She was yeah. hiding in plain sight. Yeah. And, yeah. So, and so I'm like, I'm nine days into this and I was like, oh yeah, Kedra, my neighbor, she's a doctor. Yeah. And so, and so I, I literally text her my symptoms and she was like, come over to my house. Yeah. And so I literally drive over there, which I could have walked, but I felt terrible. And so I drive over there and within probably five or 10 minutes, she was like, you have viral meningitis. Wow. And I was like, I was like, no way. And she was like, yes. I was like, why didn't any of the other doctors think? Yeah. That? 
she was like, I, I have no clue, but this is a very easy diagnosis. You have viral meningitis. Wow. Dude, that, that, that's so strange. And it's not the first time that I've heard stories like that, but she, in five minutes, she diagnosed something that medical professionals didn't, other medical professionals yeah. didn't see. That's scary, yeah. isn't it? it scary. scary. Yeah. Very scary. It, yeah. It's, it's kind of like through all that, like I kind of uh, lost a lot of confidence in, right. in the medical industry. Right, right, right. So yeah, just just to kind of wrap it up. So so she said she said viral meningitis normally runs its course, and and, and the only other time I've heard about viral meningitis was Mark Menendez, which right. I'm sure you've heard his story. Oh yeah, yeah, we so, talked about so it. I, yeah, I knew that I knew that Mark had a pretty rough go of it, but she yeah. she told me this. She said viral meningitis normally resolves itself, but there's two different kinds that can get serious. She hmm. said one is caused by the shingles virus. And the other is caused by some other virus. There's all kinds of viruses that cause viral meningitis. Like hundreds of viruses can cause viral right. meningitis. And, uh, and, and she said, do you have any rashes? You know, like, and, you know, I was like, no. And she was like, well, you probably don't have the shingles virus, so that's good. Right. And the other one, she was thinking, she said, the chances of you having the other one is very slim too. Right. And so, and so she said, but I, I still want you to go to the, to the hospital and get, you know, get everything checked out. Yeah. And so I came back over and told Kelly, I said, I said, well, she told me it's going to resolve itself. You know, the only serious one that she thought that I, that I need to really be seen about is the one that starts, that is caused by the shingles virus. And, you know, obviously I don't have any rashes, so I'm good. You know, so, so being the guy that I am, I don't want to go to the hospital. Right. 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 And so, and so I literally like, I'm just like, oh, okay, well, it's going to resolve itself. I waited yeah. another day or two and the right side of my face starts to not work it's just like i i can't sh I, I was literally sitting on the couch with my son watching tv and yeah. I, I couldn't shut my eyelid and i was like what the heck and so i i call her immediately i said i said the right side of my face is not working it's like it's paralyzed and she said yeah. she said she said well you have bell's palsy too and she said, you need to go to the hospital right now. And I was like, right. yes, man. Like, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> so so yeah. I went to the hospital. Come to find out, I had the one that was caused by the shingles virus, but I just didn't have any rashes. And I didn't even know that was a thing, but you can't wow. have the shingles virus and not have any rashes. Right. And, and so I did have the serious one. I just didn't know it. And so long story short, I was in the hospital for, for seven days, six yeah. nights. Uh, that was the toughest week of my life. I'll be honest. It was yeah. really brutal. And, right. and my heart goes out to all those people that have chronic conditions that have to spend so much time in the hospital because yeah. that was the first time in my life that I had ever spent time in a hospital. Right. And, uh, I would say that was kind of like the low, the low point in my life, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I was by myself for, for so my wife was there a lot and my brother and mom came, but still like all those sleepless nights, you know, yeah. you, you can't sleep in a hospital and you're just laying there thinking. Right. And, um, and so, yeah, it was, it was kind of like, I would feel like I was in a dark place at the hospital, but I, I, I kept quoting like Bible verses and I was listening to some of my favorite like Christian songs that just kind of really built me up. And so yeah. I think it took me that whole week to, to kind of snap out of that funk and that darkness that I was in. And when I finally got out of the hospital, 
you know, I was just like, I was like, man, I, you know, God's going to turn this around and use it for good. You know, yeah. there, there, there's a reason why this happened to me. He's going to use it for good. And so that's kind of where I've had this positive outlook and, and, and the positive vibes that I've been, you know, you know, kind of showing in the videos and on stage and stuff. Yeah. But, you know, I just, I just feel like there's a reason why it happened. And, you know, at this point, you know, obviously it's, it's opened some doors for me to kind of tell my story and my testimony yes, and, and maybe encourage people that are going through some, some illnesses and some health battles in their life. And so I honestly, I think that's kind of why, maybe why it happened to me is that, you know, God's kind of given me this platform where like, let's face it as a pro angler, there's a lot of people that watch professional fishing. And so, you know, it's a huge platform and yeah. maybe, it's, maybe it's just my way of just encouraging people that's, you know, dealing with health issues. Yeah. It's, it's like I said, it's been un unbelievable for me, uh, you know, as a fan of you and the sport to watch it, to watch you go through this. And, uh, you know, everybody goes through things in their life where they get to that dark place. Not, not always medical, right? It's other things, you know, yeah. and they're at, you're at a low point in your life. I've been through a few uh, and it's great that, the way that you've explained it, you know, using your faith uh, to get through it. It's amazing. It's amazing, dude. I, I, I'm just so blown away at how you'd handle this. It's been been great to watch, you know. I appreciate it. And just, just to kind of wrap it up for the um, for the viewers at home. So basically the meningitis, you know, I, I was on antiviral medication. And so uh, it took about 14 days to, to get to get over the viral meningitis. So mm. I'm, I'm, I'm past that. That's all good. The facial paralysis come to find out, I actually have what's called Ramsey hunt syndrome. It's uh, it's very similar to Bell's palsy, uh, but it takes, it takes a lot longer to get over than Bell's palsy. So the Ramsey hunt syndrome is kind of taking its sweet time to, to get better. Um, I'm about five months into this, about a month and a half ago, I started to get movement back on the right side of my mouth, yeah. which, which is awesome. You know, it's still a little bit crooked, but nothing like it was. So that, that's, that's awesome uh, right. super about that. Uh, but, but the big thing is my eyelid, I, my right eyelid still doesn't work. Um, so I'm just, I'm hoping and praying every day that my eyelid starts to work because I'm, I'm going through these eye drops. Like it's, like right. a, I'm putting eye drops in my eye like all the time. So that's that's kind of the the issue now. And uh, really, you know, as long as I as I put my eye drops in, I'm good and I'm I'm dealing with it. And uh, you know, this summer has actually been a blessing because on the really humid days, the hot humid days, my eye doesn't dry out nearly as much as it did back when all this started. Wow. Back right. when it was cold, the cold dry air. It was right. literally a matter of like 10, 15 minutes. My eye was dry and I had to put more eye drops in. So, right. so yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying the, the, the humid weather for the first time in my life. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, like, like I said, I'm, I'm hoping that, that it all uh, resolves itself and I have a full, full recovery. But uh, even if I don't have a full recovery and, you know, I just kind of have some sort of a partial recovery, it's still going to be all good. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's an amazing story. And, uh, I, I definitely, we all wish you, you know, full recovery very, very soon. And, uh, Brandon, you've, you've handled this so well. And I, I think 
a lot of it, this isn't something that people aren't seeing people all people are seeing this and it's it has had a positive effect on a lot of people i can tell you personally so uh it's a great story man it's a great story Thank you. Thank you. uh speaking of humidity and this time of the year we are right on the heels of the switch to the northern swing T tell me about that because I, I, I know you know people that are fans of the sport they see it and they see this every year you know about june we make that switch and i know how i feel but i want to hear it from you we've got the three events left uh get ready geographically to switch switch species in a lot of cases how do you feel about this northern swing coming up uh, i might not be as excited as you are because uh, obviously you're riding your wheelhouse up there but i will say that i'm a lot more confident now 12 years into this yeah than I used to be i i used for the first trial, it took me a long time to get comfortable up there. Yeah. Uh, the, the reason is, is that the southern smallmouth, the smallmouth that I grew up catching in Tennessee, yep. they're 180 degrees different than the different. smallmouth up north. Different animal. Different it animal. It's a different animal. And, Ex and explain I, that. I explain that. Because people have, I've been bugged with this question for 15 years. Exactly what you said. Explain that the southern smallmouth versus the northern. Ex what is the difference? Explain that. Yeah, it's it's the strangest thing, and it, it it took me a couple years to figure it out. But then even after I figured it out, it's like I still could not could not uh, translate that on the water success. Yeah, and, yeah. And I have been able to be successful at smallmouth events the last several years, so I'm I'm getting more confident. But Here's my, here's kind of my take on it. And maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm not, I don't know. But I think where the smallmouth spend time, a lot of time under the ice up north, that, that they get really aggressive and they feed on the sunny bluebird, the, the, the days when the sun's out, they put their feed bags on. 100%. 100%. Down where I grew up in Tennessee, a sunny bluebird day, you're praying for a smallmouth to bite. They they <laughs> shut down. It's the they opposite. It's the opposite. Yes. And wow. so and so we would always largemouth fish on the sunny days. We would mm. go find some dingy water, largemouth fish on the sunny days. But on those nasty, windy, rainy <laughs> days, the snowy days, yeah. we would go smallmouth fishing. Wow. And we would we would crack them anytime we had the weather that set up for smallmouth fishing. And so yeah. that's that's all I knew my whole life. That's all I knew. Yeah. But then when you go up north and and you and you have a windy, rainy day, hey, I I thought, hey, they're gonna smash a spinnerbait. I'm gonna burn it right under the surface. Uh, they, they're gonna they're gonna smoke this walking bait. I'm gonna uh, I'm out. And it's like the complete opposite. It, it drove me crazy for so many years. Now I just accept it. And and so when it's nasty and rainy. You have to kind of finesse this, drag something on the yeah. bottom of the and it's just the opposite. It's, it's literally the exact opposite of what it, we do in East Tennessee. It's, it's so it's so interesting because essentially it's the same fish. Like uh, you know, they sometimes they look a little different, but in general, you think a smallmouth is smallmouth. But dude, you are so dead on, and even to the point where I can tell you that in those lakes on those rainy, windy, cloudy days. When the smallmouth fishing is terrible, the largemouth fishing is off the chain. So it is exactly opposite <laughs> from, 
Now, now see, that well. one I don't understand because the Lord's mouth spent time under the ice. So, so maybe that just disproves my whole ice, I, you know, ice thing. I don't yeah, know. I, I, I don't know if it has anything to do with the ice. I, I can't confirm that, but for sure, like uh, back when Major League Fishing, were, they were just the cups, and when they were in conjunction with uh, bass events uh, a long time ago, one of the, the cups that I won, dude, we ended up on a lake that was about 60% smallmouth and 40% largemouth, and when we showed up, it was rainy and windy and cloudy. And I had all smallmouth stuff tied on, and I had like a jig in the box. And I'm like, huh, let me go start on some boat docks. Brandon, none of the I had them to myself in this lake. Now there were only there were only, I think, only like 12 guys made the, the final day or whatever. But I just largemouth fish because of my I knew from experience, you know, and dude, they were biting, they were under docks on a day when you think, why the heck are they under docks? You know, but it was that scenario you're talking about to it to a T, you know, to a T. That's crazy. Well, it is I, crazy. yeah, well, I'm excited. I, I'm ready for um, just a change of pace. Like the last event on Sabine, I didn't have a, a, a stellar event. I finished a little below middle of the pack, but um, I'm ready to catch some fish that pull back. <laughs> The Sabine, exactly. you know, you catch a two pounder there, and it's kind of like, man, that's a good one. And I'm, I'm ready to have some of those three pound brown fish tow me around. I, I'm very excited about that fight, you know. But here's the thing: Do you remember the weights last year at Thousand Islands, Brandon? Sure. I think I had, I had twenty some twenty pounds something the first day. The second day, I didn't crack the twenty. I was like at nineteen something, and I missed. The cut. <laughs> Incredible. I mean, it's like, what? it just gets better every year. I mean, I guess it's just the gobies. They just continue to gorge on the gobies, but it's, it's unbelievable up there. I, I was fortunate to be just right on the other side of the cut line. So, so I averaged just a little over 20, you know, 20 a day. Maybe I think yeah. I had 21 something or 22 one day, but. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's crazy. You could be on the mother load of smallmouth and catch them all day long and weigh in 20 pounds a day and you're outside the cut. Like, not make it. That's so amazing and bizarre. And that was one of the only ones where you missed a cut and you're not that mad because it was so fun catching yeah. them. You know? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> when you go to the Sabine River and you grind for seven days straight, in like the humidity and the heat that we had yeah, and you missed tough. the cut by a pound you're pretty yeah. mad about that on the drive home. yeah i was mad I, I missed it by a little more than a pound but uh no. yeah i i just you know you never you don't when you don't get a two pound bite you're in trouble there so i know it's just so frustrating <laughs> there because it's it's the exact opposite but it's so similar it's like the weights are so close yeah that like like one decent bite takes you from like 60s to like the 30s or 40s you it's know? crazy it's, it's crazy it's crazy well i'm i'm excited to get up up on that northern swing i'm excited to see you uh back out on the trail up there and brandon thank you for joining us dude i i had such a good time and i i appreciate you telling that story i appreciate you know a lot of guys that have dealt with that would have not been outgoing and open and i i appreciate so much that you're willing to tell the story and uh, i i think uh I think it affects people in a positive way. So thank you for doing that. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Just thanks for having me on here, and I uh, hope we can do this again soon. Yes, sir. Thank you for coming on the show, Brandon. I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Yes, sir. We'll see you up north.
All right, there you have it. All right, Brandon Card, everybody. Yes! Man, I'm excited to have him on the show for the first time. Uh, great guy. Really good dude, man. I, I know I've said that before with other guests, but good dude. Like, really good dude. So thank thank him for, uh, I want to thank him for coming on, telling that story. What, a, what an amazing journey uh, he's been through. Uh, let's get to that part of the show. I know a lot of you are very excited and you wait for this uh, part of the show. I, I love doing it. It's time for the MTB unboxing. Ah! Hold up. Do I have a, hold up. When I do that for now, I should yell and do this. Ah! It's like Wayne's world. Uh, today, we're going to open up a pro box. That's the black one. Remember, if you're interested in getting one of these, comes right to your doorstep. You have to walk over the thing for crying out loud. If you want to get one of these, head on over to mysterytacklebox.com. Use the promo code Ike Live. You'll get 50% off that first box. That's half off. Okay. Here it goes. The most amazing sound in the world. When that seal breaks, I'm using the scissors like Freddy Krueger, like the shining. Here's Johnny. Open that up. And this thing's loaded. Guys, this thing is loaded. Wow, that's supposed to be a super seal. All right, I got it. Um, a lot of different baits in this box. We've got soft plastics. We've got jigs. We've got hooks. We've got crankbaits. We've got swim baits. I see finesse worms. I see grubs. Of course, we've got some stickers and we've got our information guide to tell us about these lures and how to fish them. But I'm only going to pick two things out of here. Wow. That's super nice. I wonder if I picked that. I didn't see that first round go around. All right. I'm going. All right. I'm going with these two. I'm going with these two. A lot of great stuff in there, but I got to go with these two. Okay, here we go. Number one thing that caught my eye is a swim jig. This is the Thunder Hawk mouse head grass jig. Look at the head on that. It's elongated. The line tie is, is sort of in line with the hook. So what a great looking grass jig. Um, this thing's a quarter ounce, which is one of my favorite sizes. But here's the other thing that really stood out. Look at the skirt color on this thing. You ready for this? Pumpkin seed, not green pumpkin, pumpkin seed, green pumpkin, and blue. Definitely a color that mimics a bluegill or a crawfish or a warmouth or a panfish species. I could see that working, and that's a very unusual color. Love that one. The next one is a join it swim bait. And this is by Guggen Ketchko. Uh, uh, and this is the Junior Contender. Uh, it's a single joint glide bait. Here's what I like about this one. Most glide baits, dude, they're like a, a freaking tennis shoe. This one, let me see if I can find exact length for you. I can't, but we're going to call it four inches, maybe three and a half inches. Smaller glide bait. Bluegill color, perch color, right? Like dead on, like what they're eating uh, looks really good. Uh, it looks like it has a softer tail on it. Uh, so, you know, glide baits now, these hard ones, dude, they could be $50, $100, $200. So to have that in my MTB, that's something I would definitely like to try. Uh, there you have it, guys. Uh, Mystery Tackle Box. Go to mysterytacklebox.com. Use that promo code IKELIVE. 30% off your first Elite Box. 50% off your first pro box. Use that promo code. 
Guys, thank you. I uh, hope you enjoyed this one. I hope you're enjoying the new Ike Live 2.0. Brandon Card, shout out to him for coming on the show. And we will see you at the next one. Joining us for the next show, the one and only Drew Cook. Join us. That's going to be a good one. I can't wait for that one. Uh, hope you have a good time. <coughs> and thanks for tuning in. Bye. You know, right now where we're standing, we're in Camden, New Jersey. Yeah. Philadelphia is right there. This is the concrete jungle. And, you know, a lot of those kids, as they grow up, they don't fish. It's interesting because they're surrounded by water. You know, the, the Delaware River, the Schuylkill, ponds, city park lakes. But they don't have the influence to, to, to cast, to fish, to have a rod and reel. And that really, that became our focus, you yeah. know, is to target kids in what we call non-traditional areas, yeah. you know, urban areas, city centers, where the population's high. And, and let these kids have the experience. You know, it, it, it's amazing. I mean, some of the experiences we've had, whether it's Central Park in New York City, here in Camden, other parts of the country, even just casting. Yeah. It's unbelievable to see it, isn't it? Yes. It's unbelievable. Yes. And, and uh, you know, you see these kids have this experience they've never had, and they light up, you know? The big thing, I think, for the Ike Foundation is we're not, we're not saying we want all these kids to become professional anglers. No. It'd be great if some of them did, but we want them to have that fishing experience because it ties them to so, so many other positive things. The outdoors, nature, conservation, conservation. Uh, ecology, um, you know, all these amazing things in life that maybe they wouldn't have been exposed to any other way, we're trying to help with that. So it's, it's important, it's important for us. Yeah. We're proud of it. Four and a half inch drop shot worm, Bama bug. Finesse jig, PB&J, give me something hard. Hey, KVD here. Now, I didn't always know this much about fishing. Three-aught, no, four-aught EWG worm hook. In fact, there was a time when I couldn't tell the difference between a jerk bait and a stick bait. But then I signed up for Mystery Tackle Box, the original monthly tackle subscription. And now I know more about fishing than I do about calculus. And he knows a lot about calculus. Plus, I get amazing extras, like free fishing magazines. October 2016, featured article, Four Places to Throw a Frog. Exclusive decals, <coughs> zombie bass. And how-to videos for all the great baits I receive. How to tune a crankbait. Is that underwater footage I smell? I got goosebumps. So if you're looking to develop enhanced fishing abilities like me, or you just like getting new tackle every month, Go to mysterytacklebox.com and get your box today.